Hey, it's Jesse. Today I sit down at Little Dom's in Los Feliz with none other than Kristen Bell. We talk about a lot of things, but one of those things is how to fight with your partner. (laughs) She and Dax developed a shorthand for taking some steam out of their disagreements. So he says, do you want to dance? I disagree with something you just said. Do you want to dance? You're going to want to stick around for this. It sounds a little weird, but being the host of a show like Dinners on Me, where you eat out all the time, can be a little stressful on the body. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a little sluggish and I wanted to make sure I was getting the daily nutrients that I needed. Since drinking AG1 daily, I feel real difference with my energy levels and my ability to focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because it's formulated based on the latest science and maintains high-quality standards. Even Justin has started drinking AG1, and he tells me that it really helps his energy level, helps with stress, helps his gut health, all that good stuff. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner to the Dinners on Me podcast. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash dinner. That's drinkag1.com slash dinner. Check it out. So Little Dom's holds a special place in my heart. It's in Los Feliz, a hilly L.A. neighborhood sandwiched between Hollywood and Silver Lake, just south of Griffith Park. It's a brick building with metal awnings, and it brings this New York energy to the block, something that I desperately seek in Los Angeles, New York energy. Anyone who lives on this side of town knows about Little Dom's. It's just one of those spots that feels like an extension of your own home. So it's no surprise that Chef Brandon Moday attributes his culinary style to his grandmother's. And you can't go wrong with anything, but I have to recommend the rice balls. The pizza is amazing. The ricotta blueberry pancakes. You guys, you can have them at any time of the day, truly. It's never too late for ricotta blueberry pancakes. It's special to me because I lived on this side of town for quite some time, and I had some of my first dates with my now husband, Justin, here. We actually met our wedding planner at Little Dom's and had our first meeting with him. So it really uh, has a special place in my heart. We would take my son there when he was super young and have brunch there with friends when he was just a baby. I I just love Little Dom's so much. When you pop into the Little Doms, you never know who you may saddle up to. While we were setting up our recording, two recognizable faces popped in for a bite. I won't say who, because you know what, I want to preserve a little bit of that for the Tinseltown magic. So today, on this rainy Tuesday in Los Angeles, I'm sitting at one of the red leather booths in the back of the restaurant to talk to another Little Doms regular. All right, let's get to today's guest. You know her from The Good Place, Veronica Mars. She's the voice of Anna in Frozen. It's Kristen Bell. Hi. 
So thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. To Little me. Doms. This place means a lot to me just because when I lived in Silver Lake, my, me and my husband would come here. Like, we basically our, our relationship, like, was blossomed, blossomed here? here. Yeah. But this place is so special to me. So to come back here and have this time with you. Okay, so when we met in New York, I mean, I don't think, I think we were kind of like in orbit of one another. Yeah, we never I agree. actually, like, stopped and, like, got to know one no, another. No, but all the Broadway people, like, all the New York theater geeks were, mm-hmm. like, just sort of, like, ancillary friends of one another. Sure. It was like you it's could, a small community. A very small community, and you were like, oh, if that person is friends with this person, then I know I'm friends with this right. person. My first professional job was in 1997, and you, you moved to NYU, like, around that time, right? Yeah, 98. And then you were in Tom Sawyer, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, the musical. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. Uh, which I saw because I had friends in it. Oh. And I was like, who is this charismatic little jewel box of a person? You better stop. <laughs> and why is a hot tub in the middle of a stage <laughs> sunken into the middle of the stage? Because That's that right. is a bold piece of production value. Yeah. I remember Scott Ellis directed that and he was like, we've Scott Ellis directed it? Yes, of course. Oh my God, I didn't, I, I completely forgot that. Delicious. Scott Ellis is delicious and he insisted that there was a, a sunken <laughs> hot tub in the center of the stage so that Tom Sawyer could pop out of it <laughs> at the beginning. That. So every day, Josh Park, who played Tom Sawyer, yeah. who has since died, did you know that? I did not know that. He was so, he was such an effervescent person and he was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll be game. I'll submerge myself, you know, five <laughs> seconds before the curtain comes up and then I'll just just, um, I do remember be quite fully an entrance. wet yeah, yeah, for yeah. the first third of the show. I kind of like how they went for it. And I do remember also that we performed it. We were at the, what's the one Lion King is in right now? The Minskoff. The Minskoff, that old barn. That old barn. That you can't, you just, unless you're the Lion King, you're going to fail there. I mean, I did On the Town right before you did Tom Sawyer at the Gershwin where Wicked is now, which okay. is the largest theater on Broadway. Um, and it bombed. Like, we closed after three months. It's so hard. But I do remember pre-shows. So it was like, we the Minskoff was on the bottom, and then there was, like, some sort of, like, big windowed area, like a foyer above that. Mm-hmm. And then above that was, like, the MTV offices. That's and right. And the kids in our show used to, like, take off our T-shirts and run in our bras <laughs> out down 42nd Street, like, next to the windows. Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe we did that. <laughs> do you feel like we as theater people come across like that sketch when we talk about where the theaters are in mm-hmm. relation to each other like oh I was at the Gershon oh I was at the Minskoff yeah. oh yeah and for, oh, oh we were over closer to Hell's Kitchen that we sound like that sketch the Californians yes, on SNL absolutely. except we're just using like theater location references <laughs> absolutely yeah 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 right by the TKS booth uh, right right uh, but, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't so for me like you were just this like First of all, this the spunky little wonder, Wonderkin. I was like, who is that? I'm obsessed with her. But then shortly after, I mean, you, you did The Crucible, which I also saw. Dark with, Days. With Laura Lenny, and uh, uh, who played uh, Liam Proctor? Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Um, you were fantastic in that. Thank you. But then shortly after that, you were like on billboards in Times Square for Veronica Mars. <laughs> and for me, like at that time, and I don't know if you felt this way, but like I felt like people had their lanes, like theater people, especially if you did musical theater, like you, that's all you did. Yeah. And sometimes in, in a in a way, I kind of feel like that, but people don't consider me a real actor. Like they don't think I can do anything other than musical theater. So to see someone who is, I, I consider my peer, cross over into television, it's like, oh my God, it's possible. Cause it really wasn't happening. I mean, you had like BB Newworth and, and Frasier, but like, sure, but sure. like, you know, if someone my age that yeah. was like making that leap, it just wasn't happening. So I just always remember you as like the person's like, oh, Kristen Bell made it. There's hope for all of us. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. I truthfully, I had no roadmap nor 
did I know what I was doing? What had happened is after the Crucible, who I did with Jennifer Carpenter. I don't know if you know Jennifer yes, Carpenter. Yes, I do, yeah. She was mm-hmm. on Dexter forever. Yeah, still right. one of my closest friends. And this girl, Arielle Ash, who I had gone to NYU with, we were all like, what are we doing? We don't have kids. Does anyone want to move to LA? And we were like, yeah, sure. Like, we had no idea what we were doing. Right. And then all three of us just moved together, got a little apartment, and kind of started. And I remember Jennifer and I would, like, sit on the floor and work on auditions with each other. But did you all live together? Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Right. It's Good just, morning. Hi. My name is Eron. What's your name? Eron. Eron. Eron, yes. nice meeting you. you. This morning. Would Ooh, you like to start wee. off with some like well, the famous record out cheese pancakes that we have? I mean, yeah, if they're famous for oh, sure. Have you never had the pancakes here? I don't think I have. Oh my God. They're oh epic. my God, I'm very into I'll, If you order some pancakes, I'll have a few bites of it. Okay, I would like the pancakes. Yeah, it's from what did you say? The eggs funky? Eggs funky? Yes, really yes I have had those. I think I'm going to do the scrambled eggs and bruschetta. Can I have the cauliflower rice? Okay. I've had that. It's great. Easy medium. Like, yeah, a little bit of yolk, but no white. <laughs> I'd like a Diet Coke, please. Diet Coke. Thank you. Can I just get an iced tea? Nice tea? Thank you. Now for a quick break. Next up, I talked to Kristen about that insanely vulnerable first episode of Armchair Expert with Dax. If you haven't listened, add it to your list. Okay, BRB. Don't you just love it when someone looks at you and says, hmm, something's different about you. What were you up to last night? Well, no matter how late you were up the night before, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops can help your eyes look more refreshed and awake than ever. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute to help your eyes look brighter and wider for up to eight hours. No wonder it has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. You won't believe your eyes, and you know you can trust them because they're made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lohm, and they're backed by six clinical studies. Eye doctors trust them too. They're the number one recommended redness reliever eye drop. The one and only Lumify is an amazing drop that will have people saying, something's different about you, but in the best possible way. So check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. It sounds a little weird, but being the host of a show like Dinners on Me, where you eat out all the time, can be a little stressful on the body. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a little sluggish and I wanted to make sure I was getting the daily nutrients that I needed. Since drinking AG1 daily, I feel real difference with my energy levels and my ability to focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes rhodiola and B vitamins for an energy boost. I just sort of added it to my morning routine. You know, you brush my teeth, I floss, I have my AG1. 
Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash dinner. That's drinkag1.com slash dinner. Check it out. We're back with more Dinners on Me. Uh, Kristen was just sharing her journey to eating meat again. Wait, you're vegan, right? That vegetarian. No, you know what's weird? I was vegetarian for 30 years. Uh-huh. That is a long time of years. Yeah. And then about a year and a half ago, I started eating a little bit of meat, and now I've reintroduced it into my diet. I'm like, How did you do an that? ethical carnivore. A friend of mine um, was vegetarian for a very long time, and then when they wanted to reintroduce meat, they actually started with McDonald's because there's so much soy in it. Isn't that a crazy... Does that sound insane to you? It does sound nuts. Yeah. Um, I've never done good with soy. I just mm. started with a big old burger. <laughs> That's what I started with. How did you react? Wonderfully. Wow. I felt like Superman. I really... What I started with was the bison meatloaf sandwich from Stamp right okay. across the street. Yes. Which is delicious. And there was one point during my second pregnancy where I was on my way home from House of Lies because I accidentally got pregnant twice on that show. Whoops. And <laughs> I was driving home and I called my husband and I was like, I need the bison meatloaf burger from Stamp. And he was like, who is this? Because I didn't eat right. meat at the time. I never had. And I said, I can't explain it. I just can tell you that's what I need right now. And sure enough, that baby does love meat. And then from that point on, it was like a very slow introduction of like, try this is what chicken tastes like. Right. Some meats are still very foreign to me and weird. Like picking things off the bone feels funny. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know if I'm a McDonald's girl, but mm -hmm. like a good burger I've learned to love. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you, does, then Dax was never, he always ate meat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a pusher. Yeah. Yeah. Try this, try this. And I was like, that was gross. That's gross, that's gross. No, and then one day I realized, you're right. <laughs> Some of it's delicious. Um, I was saying that you are, I think you are a very good speaker and I, I've, I think you are incredibly intelligent and wonderful. And I, I did go back and listen to you in different podcasts. One of them, of course, being your husband's. And I had already listened to... The one where we fought about... No, I didn't listen to that one. Oh, the first one. I didn't listen to the first one. Mm. In fact, my producing team here told me to go back and listen to it. And I found it incredibly refreshing and <laughs> made me a tad uncomfortable at the beginning. Yeah. And I was like, this is fantastic that this... this couple is willing to obviously feel very comfortable with one another, uh -huh. but to sort of air out this argument in real time yeah. for us. And I found it incredibly refreshing. I That makes me happy. I'm a big fan of opening the kimono, mm -hmm. you know, really showing warts and all. That said, I was really pissy that day because it was mid-January. The sales were outrageous on Christmas Garland. I wanted to get there. <laughs> That's right, the Christmas Garland from Michael's. From Michael's. <laughs> and he said, we got to record this podcast now. Mind you, that was the first podcast recording he's ever done. He almost didn't release it because at the end of it, he was like, "Hun, This can't just, be the first one. This can't. I don't even know if I can release that. And I was like, well, I'm going to Michael's and that's up to you whether or not you release it. But... It ended up, I guess, setting the tone for his authenticity on that podcast, sure. which is great. But yeah, those are the kind of arguments we have where I was like. And you two have been very honest. I mean, I've, I've seen you 
discuss things in, in interviews. Obviously, that podcast was was kind of instrumental. But I mean, do you find it tricky navigating? Like, what do we share? Like, what are the ramifications of us sharing too much? I mean, do you think about that in real time or sometimes? For the most part, we don't. For the most part, I think we both just believe that people are drawn to other people when they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think that's a math problem that human beings have never been able to digest. I just think that there's, when you see honesty and authenticity and a lot of that has warts all over it, Mm -hmm. it draws people to you. And as a storyteller, I want to draw people in. So it's that, but it's also combined. The other half of it is that my husband and I fight really well. Mm-hmm. So one of the things when we first met, we learned is that we were both very, very, very stubborn. And mm. the first two years of our relationship was so turbulent. And we went to therapy and really like learned how to fight, which I guess means we have a bigger toolbox of how to respect one another during a fight. And the foundation always has to be paramount, which is that there's trust. So even Mm -hmm. if we disagree, which we do all the time, the foundation of trust has to be maintained at all times. So we're able to disagree with each other in public or in private easily, Mm -hmm. where there's this thing he that I think Adam Grant said to him one time on the podcast where, because Adam can be a big debater and so can Dax. And sometimes I'm not in the mood and it will erode the foundation of trust when you're coming at me with a debate when I'm like, exhausted and, and don't not in the feel, mood. Yeah, I don't no. feel like I have the words. So he says, do you want to dance? And that's how you know, like, I just, I disagree with something you just said. Do you want to dance? I'm ready to get into this. And if the other person says, no, I'm not, then you just drop it. So there are all these oh, like- That's so aggressive to me. Do you want to dance? Do you want to dance? But, but here's why it's not aggressive. I can always say no. No, yeah. And shut him down. And I just think there are like tiny rules that we apply. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, I've learned to really shed most, I won't say all, of the forward-facing optics uh, that this business allows you to swirl in day and night and just go, fuck it. How? How did you shed that? Fatigue. Yeah. Honestly, just exhaustion with all of it. It's too much work to try to appear perfect all the time. Mm. I find so much more growth when I admit I don't know how to do something, even in a professional setting or asking for help, like things like that that I've really had to get comfortable with Mm. reminds me that, well, if I'm thinking it, I'm not an enigma. Everybody else is thinking it too, which means we're all just wonderful little babies that are wearing high heels and trimming their beards. And we have to kind of remember that, you know? And when you think about, everybody who's walking around as a baby, it just makes, I think, you a little bit nicer. And it also makes you want to have teachable moments, not just for you, but for Mm -hmm. those around you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those teachable moments are you being honest and going, I don't know how to do this. Right. Or my husband's really annoying today. And saying that, but knowing that the floor won't fall out from underneath you in your relationship. Right, right. I don't know if any of that made any sense. It makes so much sense because I mean, I'm, I, you know, my husband is a lawyer and you know, we, we fight in a different way where he kind of lawyers up on me. And like, I have, we've had to learn how to negotiate that. Cause like, it makes me feel 
um, sometimes threatened when he comes at me with like, well, you said on this day, X, Y, Z. I'm me like, too. Like, I feel I, small why and exhibit stupid. A? Don't, don't show me exhibit A and exhibit B. Like, He's got to ask you if you want to dance first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, He's we've got it, but we're learning, you know, I and mean, we are getting better with it. But, uh, you know, there, there are those days and I mean, I, I, I'm sure this has happened to you too as well. Like we're out and about and like we're having an argument and then all of a sudden someone comes over and they want to tell me that they loved me on Modern Family or saw me in... in Mid-argument, exactly. it, It takes the air out of this thing that we've started and I have to extricate myself from it and put on this mask to have this moment with this person who doesn't deserve the sort of tension that is being created at this table. And that I feel like that's where, that's what I'm still trying to figure out how to, you know, be truthful to myself and honest with myself and also still protect my, my relationship and still protect my relationship with people who are fans of mine. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's really tricky. It's very tricky. Um, that's what I'm still trying to figure out. Ooh, yes. I don't know that you'll ever figure it out, though. I don't think I will either. I think it's just each Thank you. moment taking it as it comes. Yeah. And the great thing about my husband is that he's the, the best diffuser. He's almost never in trouble. Thank you. Because he can diffuse anything and everything with laughter. Mm-hmm. Like, if that happens, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, yes, yeah, right? yes. Anything else with No, thank you. Thank you. I'm he would look over at me and say, did you enjoy my work on Modern Family? <laughs> like, he would he would immediately make it into a joke to diffuse all of the, the tension, which is why he gets away with so much. He does get away with a lot, but he is very charming. He's very He's good at it. He's the most charming ever. <laughs> He's the most charming ever. Now for a quick break. Next up, I'm talking to Kristen about mental health, how you know when you need help, and how to figure out what that help looks like. Okay, BRB. Support for today's episode comes from Hexclad. I hosted the James Beard Awards, um, twice actually. I'm, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling the truth. And Hexclad is the official cookware of the James Beard Foundation. So I was so happy to hear their Dinners on Me sponsors. Hexclad has revolutionized the cookware industry with an all-in-one hybrid pan that gives you the convenience and cleanup of nonstick, the versatility of your grandma's cast iron, and the durability to last a lifetime. Whether you want to make that perfect steak dinner on date night or ditch that greasy pan from your college apartment, Hexclad has you covered. James Beard celebrates incredible chefs annually with their prestigious awards that I have had the privilege of handing out. Again, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. And it's no surprise that Hexclad is their official cookware. They are a chef's dream and I I just, I love cooking with them. I feel so professional when I do. Hexclad also has a lifetime warranty. These are literally the last set of pots and pans you will ever have to buy. Trust me when I say your partner, your family, and all your dinner guests will thank you. So, Chef, now is the time to upgrade that kitchen. For a limited time only, our listeners get 10% off their order with an exclusive link. Just head to hexclad.com slash JTF. Support our show and check them out at hexclad.com forward slash JTF. Bon appetit. Let's eat with Hexclad's revolutionary cookware. This episode of Dinners on Me is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
Okay, so listen, I was in my kitchen the other day, and I'm I'm very particular about how I like things in the kitchen. I need things to be in a specific place. I like things to stay clean. So imagine my frustration when I saw that my husband, Justin, had left an empty can of cold brew and a wrapper from Protein Bar on the counter right next to the recycling bin. Why couldn't he just open the drawer with the with the recycling bin in it and put it in there? This is something I need to get off my chest. Therapy is a very safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I mean, I've learned a lot from therapy and I have learned that, you know, I need to pick my battles. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com dinners today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot dinners. We're back with more Dinners on Me. Kristen was just telling me how she and Dax developed a shorthand for arguing. You know, I think I need to start asking Justin to dance more. So I have started therapy in this past year. Talk therapy? Talk therapy, There's lots of different kinds. Talk therapy. So I have my own therapist. Um, And a lot of it was, it came from me and probably a little bit of like the pandemic. I, I started having panic attacks. And it sort of, it sort of reared its head a little bit when I was, in the latter years of Modern Family, and I was um, feeling like I was out of control with my life. Like my my, I was a product of something. Like I was a commodity. Yep. And, you were in you the know, trunk of the car, not driving. One hundred percent. And I, you know, I didn't have control of my schedule, and I was like just meant to 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 be this thing and show up in these different places, whether or not I was exhausted or ready for it. Like I I just had to stay on this moving train. Yep. And I was feeling extremely anxious about it, so I started added going, with I'll say yeah because I'm sure you're experiencing it added with the guilt of waking up every morning and looking in the mirror and going, why am I not more grateful? 100%. I can pay all my bills. Look at these opportunities I have. I have such a charmed life, mm-hmm. but there's, but the turbulence underneath. Oh, 100%. I had, I, I'm, I'm in a great marriage for 10 years now. I, I, at this point, I have two beautiful kids. I'm, I have had a great success in my career. And so like, when you wake up sad or overwhelmed, you're like, what's wrong with me? And like an incredible sense of guilt. And just, you know, in the past few weeks, I've, been talking to my therapist and there has been a discussion about like, well, do we want to try something? Do we want to try medication? And it's something that, you know, I'm I'm sort of been a tad resistant to because there is a stigma, Mm -hmm. which you talk about as well. Sure. And it's, I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, well, you know, I don't like these days where when I open my eyes, I immediately know like, oh, I'm having a blue day and I don't want to get out of this bed. Mm -hmm. And it's in, I have things to do and children to attend to. And, um, you know, I was, I, I, so I've started thinking seriously about like, well, there are options for me out there. And what are those options? I, you know, I haven't figured out exactly what I'm doing, but it's been a discussion I've literally had within the last few days. And so when I picked up research on you, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this conversation is coming at the right time for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are so many options. Everybody's road is different because sincerely you could be someone like me who will experience it most likely your whole life because Mm -hmm. you have since you were 20. You could be having a six-month blip and never experience it again. But when those feelings come where I kind of describe it as like 
You know in Men in Black when you um, like open up the alien's body and there's like a teeny tiny alien yes. with joysticks like yeah, either yeah, in their yeah, head yeah, or their yeah. chest? That's how I feel. Like mm-hmm. I'm inside my body, but I'm not actually experiencing any of mm. it. And it's going through the motions and the motions seem really hard for right. some reason. And when I write it down on paper, it's always helpful because I'm like, okay, am I paying my bills this month? Am I, do I have close friends and family? Like is, I'm, I write everything down and they're all in the pro category. Mm-hmm. But I still feel heavy and gross and sad and just the weight, the, the, the pain of the world I feel like is infecting me like I don't have skin, mm-hmm. right? Like I hear a headline in the news and I like need to cry about it for five minutes mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I don't know if that's the healthiest way to walk th- through earth. But there's so many different ways to handle it. I have been on a medication since I was 19 or 20. Okay, so like college. Yes, and I've never said the name of it because the one thing I really respect about, like... What do you mean the name of it? The name of the drug that I'm on. Okay, great. Because I... The one thing I really respect is that it is very much like a doctor-patient relationship, and they use different measures to decide what you should be put on because there's a variety of drugs that can help with anxiety right. and depression. And and my mom was on one as well, is on one. And usually they can say that, okay, hereditarily you'll probably, genetically this one might work for you the best because sometimes you'll get on one and it won't work. You'll feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm on, I was on Wellbutrin. I was too shaky. I was on Prozac. I was too tired. I was on whatever it is. And I've never said it because I never wanted anyone who looked up to me to say like, oh, I need that one. Right. You know what I mean? That's smart. So the the things that I've learned is that I've tried to get off my medication twice. Mm. One time I got off of it for a year, I felt great. And at the end of the year, I started feeling soggy again. And I was like, well, I don't want to live on earth with that feeling anymore. So I'm just going to go back. Can I ask a question? Was that soggy feeling that you're talking about, was it a new feeling or did it feel like, oh, I remember this feeling from before? I remember this feeling. That's interesting. Because that's another question I have. It's like, again, everyone's different, but like... You know, there is, I've had these discussions with my therapist, but like, it doesn't have to be something that's forever. It can be like, we could just try it for a little while. You know, I have, I have friends uh, who have been on and off of it and like, it's, I, I see how it, it works to, to come on and off of it. But I, I, for some reason, it's like, like I take Propecia. Yeah. It's like, you know, if I stop taking the Propecia, all my hair is going to fall out. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Like, you know, it's that, that's, that's the result. Um, and so like, I, there is this fear of like taking something every day for me and, if there's a point where I want to get off of it that I'm going to like fall off a cliff. No, 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 no. First of all, under a doctor's care, you can get on or off anything you want Mm -hmm. because they're checking in with you, making sure you're not running into traffic, all those things. Mm -hmm. The reality is my mom, who's a nurse, said it most succinctly. She said, the stigma around taking a medication is so bizarre Ask yourself this. Would you ever deny a diabetic their insulin? Right. Would you ever look at them and go, just process the sugar? But with mental health, it's a different thing. Yeah. And it's maybe because people think uh, they look at it as a weakness. Mm -hmm. But I don't because I see something that I could be better at, a place I could grow. Mm -hmm. So I get the necessary tools to help me do that. That to me is the definition of a strength, not of a weakness. But there's also a lot of other ways to go about contributing to your mental health and wellness. Like talk therapy is great if you're chatty. 
awesome. <laughs> Exercise is profound, yes. and we don't talk about it over here as much. Those endorphins actually do, they have, at least for me, mm-hmm. it balances my serotonin in a way. If I don't work out a couple times a week, I'm, I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. I am irritable, so I have to force myself. But then again, if I'm having trouble forcing myself... Sometimes I just take the easiest way. Yeah. If I can't get out of bed and I'm like, God, I know I need to exercise. I know that'll fix it. I get a Red Bull. Right. So I chug a fucking Red Bull and then I go to the gym yeah. and I do it. Or I go to Metamorphosis, which I just came from. And I'm like... That's our uh, local Pilates place here in Los Feliz. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Plug for Metamorphosis. We love it. Yes. But like there are tools all around you. I don't like the idea that anybody feels completely isolated or mm-hmm. alone. I, I'm the kind of person that wants to be like, what about this tool? What about this tool? Right. What about this tool? I started EMDR this year. What is that? When you're looking to the right, you're taking in more information from your left. When you're looking to the left, you're taking in more information from your right. There's something about bilateral stimulation. People use it in tapping too, and you can't see this, but I have my hands crossed over my chest and I'm tapping on my shoulders. That's another way to have bilateral stimulation or moving your eyes, uh, rapid eye movement. So there's something about this rapid eye movement and bilateral stimulation that can take a memory or a trauma, small or large, that is locked in a PTSD way in your hippocampus and your amygdala, move it up and put it in your frontal lobe. So like the way I think about it is... Okay, you are a vet, you're home from war, you want to forget about the war, someone's making popcorn, you hit the deck, Uh right? Because you're all of a sudden you're back in war. That Mm. happens. That's a real thing, right? right? That person's body is back in the war at that time. Trauma, yeah. Yes. So what EMDR can do is take that memory of those popping shots that are either popcorn or bullets and put it in your frontal lobe where you're still going to hate when the popcorn machine goes off. Mm-hmm. But you're going to be able to recognize it's the popcorn machine, right. not bullets flying at you. So I used it for like previous things I felt were traumatic. And it really helped. Is it as simple as just doing these exercises? Yeah, you do it with, I do it with a woman on Zoom. Oh, okay. So basically she describes it as, Unless it's like getting pancakes. on a... Yes. Wonderful. So good. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Delicious. She describes it as getting on. You'll bring up your, um, your target. Okay. And there's something about separating the thought inside your head, "I'm stupid," with the external stimulation mm. of this bilateral eye movement, and it just works itself. And then you come out of it. She's like, "Okay, take a breath. What came up?" And then you either have a memory or a feeling. And she's like, great, go with that. Do it again. They, they say, imagine that you are like, you're on a train. You're sitting in a train car and you're watching your whole life go by like this, like uh-huh. this. And then she just stops you and you say what you're seeing basically. But again, I'm not a doctor, but I really, really liked it. I took nine weeks of it and I think wow. it cured my target. I really do. You, do. do you meditate? God, I want to say yeah so bad. Well, everyone does. Everyone wants to say yes. I mean, I, I studied it. I studied Me too. Uh, TM. TM, of yes. Um, and, you know, I got my mantra. Mm, I brought my piece of fruit in. I did it. It's a whole, the, the whole routine, like mm, a whole flower, ritual that you have to do. I love it. And I loved it. And I was really good about um, maintaining my practice. In the beginning? In the beginning. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you're meant to do um, 
20 minutes twice a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, first thing when you wake up and then like in the mid-afternoon because it actually stimulates you. So you don't want to do too late at night because it could keep you awake. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had that problem, by the way. Me neither. <laughs> I was like, I think that might be BS. I could chug a red yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and so I... I felt great. And Justin and I did it together. And we noticed so much. Um, <laughs> Justin, we had valeted his car. I remember this. And like the valet came back and he had com- the valet had completely scratched one side of his car. And it, it like it needed to go into the body shop. Mm. And Justin was like, oh, well, it is what it is. And I looked at him. I was like, what is this is not you. You would have you would never just like let something like mm-hmm. this roll off your back. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, and he's like, well, they're going to pay for it. You know, it's, it is what it is. I can't do anything about it. Like, that's the that's where he was at after meditating for a mm-hmm. while. And so, like, I just, I, I saw such a change in him. I didn't feel so much in myself. I mean, I felt calmer. I felt I was sleeping better. But, like, to see those, like, those changes in him, I was like, wow, this really works. And then it's that was one of those things where it's like, we're really talking about 40 minutes of my day and I'm just having a really hard time well, it's finding the kids. It's, it's the, the kids. kids. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it because the kids, I know you can't do it because the kids. Yeah. I had an absolutely parallel situation with you with Dax and I, he still does it every morning. Mm-hmm. Granted he has sobriety to look after. So he has a whole system in the sure. morning that he's got to do. He's got, he wakes up, he meditates, then he journals for 10 minutes. And then recently he's been writing like an hour of just like prose of like stories about his life. And it sets him, he is a different person when he does that. Wow. Also, it's a great marker because if he misses two mornings in a row, I check in because mm. then I'm like, hey, maybe hit an extra meeting this week. I don't yeah. know. Like I yeah. know his signals, but I have the same feeling. I'm like, I think the meditation was great for me, but I don't notice that much of a difference mm-hmm. and I hate to even admit that because I want to say oh meditation's so great but that's kind of why I mean there's so many different things that work mm-hmm. it's either a t- like a ton of exercise maybe trying EMDR trying talk therapy seeing a psychiatrist and talking about maybe a medication incorporating TM into your life mm-hmm. CBT is another one you ever done cognitive behavioral therapy no tell me what that is it's like where you have, I can't remember how many there are, 11 or something, of um, labels of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you get used to that. You get to know those words. And then you basically, it's like writing it out. Like, I'm going to go on a date tonight. Oh, this person's probably not going to like me. Okay, let me write that out. The fact is, I'm going to go on a date tonight. I'm catastrophizing by saying this person's probably not going to like me. Mm-hmm. I have no information mm-hmm. on whether or not this person will like me. Maybe the tables could be turned and I could not like the, the right. person I'm going on a date with, whatever. But you basically learn to label your behavior and then you learn to sort of section it off into like, oh, I'm catastrophizing. And it just gives oh my you- God, a- I do that every day. <laughs> Catastrophize every day. CBT is awesome. <laughs> um, do you remember when you were in college, was there like nope. a defining- <laughs> No, you sure don't. No, don't remember anything. <laughs> But in regards to your mental health, do you remember like a, a moment? Was there like a, a, a defining thing that, that you're like, okay, I this triggered something, or this this is this is the moment I need to get some help? Yeah, and it's really embarrassing. Do you want to share it or no? <sighs> of course I do. Because <laughs> I want to hear it. I was dating a sweet boy named David. I was 18. Hold for sound. <laughs> We're using this opportunity for the, the mm-hmm. siren going by, so we're eating our eggs. I've never had this before. It's delicious, right? It's outrageous. The cauliflower. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, so I was dating this sweet boy. Yeah. And I 
had. You're not having a bite right now. Oh yeah, so, I'm gonna have it. Okay, watch, fine, watch have it. it. Okay. Ready? Three, mm-hmm. two, one. I had my period the night before. Oh. And <laughs> okay. I, I had my period the night before and I bled all over my sheets. And that's a fucking bummer, okay? If you're a girl, especially if you're in a place where it's not easy to do your laundry, that's a real fucking bummer. But it wasn't as much of a bummer as I made it out to be. So I, for like three days, was in a deep depression about the fact that this had happened. Mm-hmm. I, every time he tried to like interact with me as like fun boyfriend, girlfriend, I was like, you know I bled all over my sheets, right? I'm still really upset about that. <laughs> and then I was like, woof. Are you gonna let this ru- this one experience ruin your life? Like, yeah, big deal. Wash your sheets. Mm. Like, let it go. Like, yeah, the valet scratched your car. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. 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 Cut on to the next. And I just realized this has affected me way too much. And I am actually holding on to the feelings because I find when I'm depressed, holding on to feelings that are really thick and meaty and sorrowful feel good. Yeah, it does. It's a sense of self-pity that I hate that I can go into that mode. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to my mom and she was like, well, let's talk to a therapist about it. And then eventually got help for it. But it was that moment where I realized like, I can't let any issue in life, no matter how bad, take my perspective down Mm -hmm. this much about the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I ate so much Mr. Softy in New York when I first got there. (laughs) Like you can't even imagine. It was my favorite thing. That truck, that ice cream truck was my favorite thing. I didn't have Mr. Softy for like three days. And that is when I knew it was a problem. Like I'm not enjoying life Mm -hmm. because I had an experience that I'm pitying. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean... It doesn't seem that monumental when I explain it out loud now, but I know that that was the but moment. I think that, but that's, you know, I, I look back at like what, what triggered, like where I'm at, where I'm at right now. And there are all these, everything seems tiny and minute. And, um, but I, I, I recognize that it's accumulation of things as well. And, sure. you know, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in a place now where I'm like, okay, well, I, maybe I need to do something about this. So yeah. I don't know, I, I really appreciate you being so candid and honest about it. Um, and I really appreciate you taking a bite while I said it. <laughs> I set you up for that, but you know how I picture it? I picture it like I have experiences, and if one of them's bad, let's say I slam my thumb in the door, mm-hmm. I have my period on my sheets, whatever, I stub my toe, I scratch my car. If those start to anchor themselves like literal physical anchors around my body and I'm carrying them to my next experiences, that's when I know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's how I judge it for me. Mm-hmm. If I read a news headline that's really sad and I'm thinking about it the rest of the day when I'm sitting at dinner with my kids, that's how I know that I need to check in with myself. Right. You also have the great burden of being an incredibly compassionate person, which is I have all great the for the world and sometimes bad for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I look up... T- to you in, in so many ways when you when it comes to like philanthropy. I was just looking at her Instagram. We have a, a mutual friend in common. You were with Jose Andreas the other day, mm-hmm. uh, who I absolutely adore, uh, Chef Jose Andreas, who does amazing work feeding people. Um, I think they, his organization, World Central, World Central, Kitchen. Central Kitchen, has fed uh, like 300 million people mm-hmm. uh, to this day. They were the first on the ground in Ukraine. Yeah. They yeah. serve over 170,000 meals a day. Yeah. They are the most organized, efficient. Yeah. Nonprofit, you could imagine. One hundred percent. He's a wonder. I mean, he's an incredibly charismatic person. Yes, mouth sounds. <laughs> um, but you know, I feel like you, 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 you're cut from that same cloth. Um, 
I, I greatly admire everything you do and your empathy. And I mean, I, I, so Kristen and I ran into each other during the pandemic. We were hiking Griffith Park. You were with your daughter, one of your daughters. I don't remember which one it was. Maybe your youngest. Delta. Mm-hmm. First of all, I don't know how, I don't know how this eagle eye saw me because it was the early days <laughs> pandemic. So I was wearing a mask. I had a hat on, sunglasses. You were like, Jesse? I was like, how did you see me? And we ended up having a really great conversation. And you, you knew I was just about to have a baby. Mm. And you're like, I think you're about to have a kid. And I was like, yeah, I'm like two weeks. And... You texted me and said, can I have your address? And two days later, this big box from Hello Bello showed up at my, at my doorstep. I was like, you're just so thoughtful. And you're, you're um, you know, you do those nice things, those acts of kindness for, for, for people who you, you're friends with and who you're not friends with. And, but you also, um, you just have such great compassion. And you, uh, I, 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 I see that in like your, your, all the work that you do and, um, and the people you surround yourself with. And I just, I just really, I admire it very much. And I, I think, Thanks. you know, you're one of those people I also look at, I was like, God, I got to do more. Look at all the stuff Kristen's doing. Yeah, but that's so dangerous <laughs> to have a comparison model in your head because it just gives you a comparison headache. But I will say, I feel all the feelings all the time. And I've learned how to deal with it and how to use it and how to recognize which ones are appropriate in which mm-hmm. setting. Because I truly like will see a Folgers commercial and break down crying. Like I can, like I have all <laughs> yeah. the feelings at a moment's notice, which is great for acting. Yeah, yeah. But I think I really subscribe, I'm not religious in any way, but I subscribe very much to that like Buddhist saying of, if I see an oncoming bus about to hit you, I don't push you out of the way because you're you, I push you out of the way because you're me. Like I can feel that in my bones. Mm -hmm. It also comes out of a fair amount of codependency Mm -hmm. that I have learned to live with and enjoy. I don't necessarily think codependence is such a bad label. I think it provides you a lot of good instincts that can heal human connections like that. Like, I don't think I wanted anything you, from you except for you to like me. So I was like, ooh, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to send him a big Hello Bella basket because he's having a baby. Yeah, I just think people have opportunities to be connective tissue in relationships mm-hmm. so much more often than they do. And it's, it's harder for certain people, but I try to follow that preoccupation in my brain. When I have an idea of something nice to do, I'm sure plenty of times it's because I want credit for it, but sometimes it's really just not. I just think mm-hmm. people being happy is worth it. So, you know, whatever. You hear some PA on set saying they like your sweatsuit, and then you just, like, remember. Yeah. And then you, you know, gauge their size, and then you leave it on their yeah. chair. And it's like, that I, feels fucking good. Yeah. Like, it's not that big of a task, I find the reward so much better. Yeah. Like I feel, I'm going to tell you something. I sleep very well at night. And I think it's because I allow myself to follow that preoccupation mm-hmm. with how to please people. So that's why I say codependency isn't, or people pleasing isn't always the worst thing. I agree with you. I mean, I, um, I was at a birthday party the other night and I, I was sort of this is so stupid. I was actually in this neighborhood a few days before that, and I, I, Justin and I were ironically talking about how we haven't seen paparazzi around because this area that we're in right now it's, it used was to be a little a used to be a little bit of a hot spot, especially during the pandemic. And we were just talking about how it, what a relief it is that you know that that's not the case anymore. The next day there was a paparazzi shot of mm. the two of us, and I just you know I was in a relaxed mode. I was mm-hmm. wearing a gym shirt. I looked a little chubby, mm-hmm. and I think I'm doing a good job. But that photo made me think, nope, you're not. Mm. And I was just feeling really down about myself. And I went to this birthday party, 
And a friend of mine out of the blue said, oh my gosh, you look really good. And I immediately started making excuses. Oh, I just got a haircut. She goes, no, you look really great. I was like, well, I'm growing my beard back because you know, I had a mustache for a little while for the, for the play that I was doing. She goes, no, you look great. And I could not take the compliment. And uh, the next day I was still thinking about it. It was actually filling me with a lot of joy that she said, you look really great. And so I texted her. I was like, I just want you to know that that small act meant so much to me and I'm still holding it with me. And, um, you know, I think you, I'm not, I'm not throwing her a parade for telling me that I look good, but at the Mm. same time, I want her to know that I heard it in a Mm. very impactful way and it meant a lot. So, you know, I, I think you never know where nice deeds or compliments Mm -hmm. are going to be picked up and when they're going to be necessary. And I think so many people have an issue with that, that they don't even realize. Mm -hmm. Cause like, yeah, you're worthy of a compliment. Mm -hmm. There's a great trick in AA cause we're just very much an AA practicing family because of him. But where if you want to use, you keep a baby picture of yourself in your wallet. And every time you want to use, you pull it out and you say, well, would I put cocaine, would I tell this little person to do cocaine? And it just like, Mm. it immediately changes the lenses in your glasses. Mm. I find like perspective changes are the only thing that work for me. Like, yeah, I may want to do this right now, but what, like, if I were an addict, I want to use, would I tell this four-year-old girl to use by looking at it? All of a sudden it's just, humans can be so tricky, but they can also be really simple. Mm -hmm. And perspective changes really work. I also, side note, cannot believe we've talked about anything other than cocaine bear. (laughs) Speaking of cocaine. (laughs) Jesse, I had one of the best experiences of my life watching that movie this weekend. Did you watch it at home? Nope. We watched it in the movie theater. My husband and I we're dripping out of our seats within the first five minutes. It's pretty ridiculous. It is such a wonderful ride. And you guys did, first of all, I love that the entire cast of The Americans is in the movie. I know, and I'm such a huge fan of that show. I was losing my mind. Me too. Margot Martindale is- She's the MVP. I can't believe- No, I know. When she said, well, it's European, (laughs) about her perfume. I loved that movie more than I have loved a movie in years. It's pretty silly. I was beside myself. I know. We got to shoot it in Ireland. um, And I got to, I became very, I had never met Carrie. I had never met Margot. Uh, I'd met Matthew Reese a little bit, but, um, and Elizabeth Banks and I are very, very old, dear friends. Um, but I was so excited to meet them. And then by, by the end of week three, I told Justin, I was like, I don't want to do anything but be in Cocaine Bear. I'm Forever. just having the greatest time of my life. What were you guys working with? Was it a person in a bear suit? Was it a... Yeah, it was like a, um, he had a snout and he had stilts that, to like pop him up to look like, uh, you know, he was higher up as a bear. But a lot of it was, you know, just Liz Banks yelling at us, like, it's mauling you now. You're you're losing life. Um, blood's dripping down your leg. The gore. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of gore. And mm-hmm. that's probably maybe the most shocking thing about my personality on paper is that I actually really do love gore. I have such a profound respect for the artistry yeah. and the people that create it. And I love when makeup artists are doing, like, a big black eye yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah, anything yeah. like that. But especially comedy gore and you guys, that the set piece with, just see Cocaine Bear is all I'm saying. I don't want to build it up too much, but the set piece with the ambulance, the ambulance. is stunning. Yeah. It's stunning. Liz Banks had said that it's her favorite sequence in the movie, which I was offended by because I thought my tree sequence where I die would be her favorite sequence. Right, 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 um, right. But then I saw the movie, it's like, yeah, that's some great filmmaking Profound. right there. 
Yeah. It was profound. <laughs> I loved it so much. But one thing I do want to talk about that you did recently, because I just started watching it yesterday in preparation for this, and I'm going to get the title wrong. Everybody does. But I'm going to try. Okay. The woman in the house across the street from the lady in the window. From the girl in the window. Oh, fuck it. Ooh, 99 out of 100. Ooh. It's so fantastic. It's such a send-up of the genre. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a... Parody of the, the woman in the floorboards, yes. the man in the attic, <laughs> that genre, which is what we discovered, bulletproof. Right. You can't mess up that genre. If you have a good mystery, anything can happen that can be the most absurd thing that you can imagine, and people will still stick with a mystery, yeah. but basically, one of our writers, Rachel, she had been obsessed with that genre forever, and she was like, this is begging to be made fun of. But what I love about it is you don't go for jokes. No, you, we the, played the it so straight. The stakes are so high, and the, the dialogue is so ridiculous, but because you guys are taking it so seriously, it is just... So funny. One of my favorite runs is that the next door neighbor, um, Carol, who um, her husband's getting her husband's, a very important letter. Her husband's always getting very important yeah. things. He needs to sleep because he has very he's important things. He's expecting a very important letter. <laughs> it's, it's such yeah. a funny run, and um, you know that your character always asking questions as she's looking. First of all, she's always at a window, mm-hmm. and anytime she's looking out the window, something's happening across the street, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. But just these like existential questions, like what is she doing? Mm-hmm. Why do I keep forgetting this? Why am I here? What, what what's happening? It j- just the, the, the series of questions. It's just it's it's such a spot on send up of the genre, and I'm enjoying it immensely. Oh, this makes me happy because it gets wild. So buckle up. And I will say, Tom Riley and I were so uncomfortable with a lot of the scenes because we kept looking to them and going like, oh, okay, but is it is it funny? And because we were playing it so serious mm-hmm. and they were all cackling in the at Video Village going, yes, it's so funny. Trust me. It'll work. Trust me. Trust me. And we kind of convened and we were like, I guess we're really just going to have to trust them because neither of us are playing the joke here. We're so serious. And it did end up working. But I'll tell you the most delicious cherry on top is that half the people that watched the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window did not know it was a joke. And the fact that they didn't I think, is the greatest it's a joke we accomplished. To what you've done. I agree. Yeah. Because if you didn't see it, you just think it's a very bad version of that genre. Like, <laughs> wow, there were some wild things. Why was he fixing the mailbox for seven straight episodes? Right. He couldn't, he just couldn't get the mailbox There's right. this run of the Fuel. repairman mm-hmm. who's just constantly fixing, fixing his mailbox. Um, oh, he's perplexed by how to fix it. Absolutely ridiculous. I absolutely love it. I'm so it. glad you loved it. I really do. I'm, I'm looking forward to showing it to Justin and binging it. It's on Netflix. I do love true crime, though. I love mm-hmm. any crime mystery. I love Keith Morrison and Dateline. In fact, do you know, I made a family, I made a movie for my husband about our youngest daughter when she was like a year and a half, because she was such a bully when she was a year and a half, and she would go to work with him all the time at Warner Brothers, and he would call her baby director, because she just kind of like <laughs> push everybody around. And so my friend Monica and I made uh, a 20-minute film called Baby Director, about her being basically like the most celebrated director in Hollywood, and we got talking <laughs> heads from all of his friends, like John Favreau, Bradley Cooper, Jimmy Kimmel, about being like, wow, she's such an icon. And um, then when, and it was just for him, it was literally just to show to him for Christmas. I wanted some VO to be in the beginning and I cold called, this was nine years ago, I cold called Keith Morrison and asked him to do the VO. 
And he said yes. Amazing. And so he has VO'd our family movie. Which <laughs> it's <I> unbelievable. <laughs> pretty special. Uh, did you, were you like obsessed with like any of the like the O.J. Simpson trial or, or John Benet Ramsey? I guess not really. That is oddly too close for comfort mm-hmm. when it's like real people right now getting mm-hmm. sentenced. Mm-hmm. But when there's a little distance, like this happened in 1996, sure. I'm all in. And I can't explain why that is, but I'm much more comfortable with a little bit of distance. Uh, what? Although, did you ever listen to the podcast Root of All Evil? I, I so, wait. But I, the Black Dahlia murder? I think I asked, yes, it, I, 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 I don't know. I, it was I, it freaked me out a little bit. The darkest thing I've ever listened to. I mean, the, the depths of evil that was happening within the Hodel family yeah. was astounding. And around every corner, you're like, it can't get any worse. Oh, they sold their kids. Like, oh, they just the worst stuff you can imagine. Cut yeah. to us finding it's eight doors down from this. No. Yes where they used to live. And we walk by that house all the time. Oh and there are God. people buried in the basement. No. And yes. No. Um, there's also in our neighborhood, the murder house, which is a famous house right. that um, a friend of mine lives right across the street from. And um, I, 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 what's going to happen with that property? It's this house that's been sitting there for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. For the longest time, the the, the Apparently, the, the, the family is murdered um, Christmas Eve. Do you know this story? And Not for the really. longest time, that the tree was still standing in the living room with all the presents and everything around it. Like, for 30 years, the dead tree was still in the house. I think they've finally gone and, and cleared it out, but now they're trying to figure out what to do with this huge property. And it looks like the haunted house on the hill. I mean, it just looks spooky when you drive by it. I feel like it needs to be completely flattened and, like, turned into a park or something, but... Maybe. I don't know. I don't believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. I like being scared, and I like gore, and I like mystery, and I like horror. But when it comes to, like, is it under my bed, or, like, is this Christmas tree that still of a significance, I'm not there. Yeah? I'm like, I could absolutely go in, and, and I'll chop the tree down, and, and recycle <laughs> it, and, and, you know, see what's in the presents, and donate them, and then redo the house. Like, I would have no problem doing that. You're, you're braver than I'll I am. I'll buy it and no, I'll invite you over. Not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I'll put little booby traps everywhere to scare you. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so happy you said yes to doing this. First of all, when you when I asked you to do this, you said I don't usually say yes to these unless I'm promoting something. Yeah, I don't. I don't do but it. I, but with but you, I like I you and I'm, I'm going I'm to do it. So I really appreciate that. Well, old theater friends are different. Okay. It's a, it's a, Ben Platt says this all the time, the cut from the cloth. Like yeah. we know each other. Whether yeah. we know each other or we don't, we know each other. So yes, always happy to be here. Okay, well that that was great. Um, Kristen is someone I've admired for so long, and we do we have this shared history. We're both theater kids in New York, but I've never had like a one-on-one conversation with her like that. I mean, I see her at parties, I see her like game nights at friends' houses, but we've never actually sat down and just talked for an hour. She's so eloquent, she's so well-spoken, she's so honest about her journey with mental health, and she's an open book, of, you know, with her marriage with Dax. I, I just feel like it's very clear that she wants her experiences to help other people. I just consider her to be incredibly generous in in so many ways. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you for your time and thank you for your honesty and your generosity. Love ya. Next week on Dinners on Me, I chat about love, Oprah, and quote, ho clothes with Nisi Nash Betts. 
And if you don't want to wait until next week to listen, you can download that episode right now by subscribing to Dinners on Me Plus. As a subscriber, you not only get access to new episodes one week early, you'll also be able to listen to them completely ad-free. Just click Try Free at the top of the Dinners on Me show page on Apple Podcasts to start your free trial today. Dinners on Me is a production of Neon Hum Media, Sony Music Entertainment, and A Kid Named Beckett Productions. It's hosted by yours truly. It's executive produced by me and Jonathan Hirsch. Our showrunner is Joanna Clay. Chloe Chobel is our associate producer. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Hans Dale Shee composed our theme music. Our head of production is Sammy Allison. Special thanks to Alexis Martinez and Justin Makita. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Join me next week 